3: This is the Steelers Preview Show on WDVE Pittsburgh. Here are your hosts, Mike Prezuta and Matt Williamson.
0: Good evening and welcome to another edition of Steelers Preview. I'm Mike Presuda along with Matt Williamson. We're going to be here until 8 o'clock tonight on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SR. Getting you ready for the long-awaited showdown in Nashville between the Steelers and the Tennessee Titans. Normally, we kind of ease into it. Matt and I like to set the stage a little bit, but uh, we're going no huddle right out of the shoot tonight <laughs> because uh, we've got a chance uh, to engage with a very special guest. And when John Burton of News Channel 5 in Nashville tells you, hey, I got to come on early or I'm not coming at all, you bring him on early because John Burton is that type of guest. Uh, if you remember him from his Pittsburgh days, you remember him as one of the hardest-working Uh, most informative and uh, most fun having guys in uh, the Western Pennsylvania area. John, great to catch up with you. Thanks for giving us a few minutes tonight.
2: Mikey, always a pleasure. And you'll be happy to know I'm still having fun down here in Nashville.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I suspected you might be. I got a little firsthand look the last time I was down there. Sorry, I'm not going to make the game this week. No travel for Mikey this year. It's, uh, it's a COVID thing. But I, I wanted to start with the Titans from this perspective and tell me if this is a plausible theory or uh, if it should have holes shot all through it. This, to me, looks like a team that really is that cliched uh, the sum of the hole is greater than the sum of the parts. Not that there aren't very good players down there, but what the Titans were able to do going through everything they went through, and then coming out and smoking Buffalo the way they did, uh, it looks like a team that uh, is a team to me. They're playing for the coach, they're playing for each other, they're playing like they were just getting started last year with that playoff run.
2: Yeah, I think you nailed it. You know, and it starts with a belief. It starts with a belief that comes from their head coach Mike Vrabel and uh, his staff. And you know, they're starting to believe now. No matter what the circumstances are, we can overcome it. You know, you look at four of their first five wins this year you know, they, they've they come down to the wire, but there's such a belief that they're going to make the necessary plays in the clutch situations that are going to help them get the win. I mean, that win over Buffalo really is the only rocking chair win that they've had. You know, the, their other four wins were, you know, last second drives, you know, this past game against Houston, Tannehill had to drive them down in the final seconds just to tie the game. And then they won it in overtime when they won the toss. So there's a strong belief. And like I said, it comes from Mike Vrabel and, you know he's very much like a Mike Tomlin or a Bill Belichick—very no nonsense, very structured, very no stone unturned. And it just—you know—he expects his players to go out and perform, and he sets the platform, and they go out and deliver. And you know there is some talent on this team, but you know if if you want to say maybe they're playing a little bit above their talent, I, I think you could—I think that is a fair assessment. But yeah, there's just a strong belief system that no matter what, they're going to get the job done in the end of the, at the end of the game.
3: Yeah, John, there's a lot to get excited about with this team. I agree with the coaching staff. I think it's a well-structured team overall, organization. But there is some, there are some brand-name guys on defense, some high picks. But the defense has not quite lived up to that standard. I mean, what what do you think is ailing them on that side of the ball?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, you look at some of the numbers. They're giving up 5.1 yards a rush. They're averaging giving up like uh, just under 275 yards passing a game. And the biggest thing, guys, is they expected a lot from their outside pass rush. And so far, they haven't gotten it. Only six sacks on the season. You know, they signed Shadevi and Clowney right before the start of the regular season. And trust me, folks down here on Broadway in Nashville were doing cartwheels naked, thinking this was the missing piece. And, you know, they've got some good guys like Harold Landry and Clowney and Vic Beasley, who they signed for for uh for one year. Some proven pass rushers, but they haven't gotten home. And also, you know, teams are, are, have been very good on third downs. You know, the Texans were 50% on third down last Sunday. And even in the blowout win over Buffalo, the Bills were 13 for 17 on third down. You know, that can't happen, especially as you play better teams, you know, Steelers coming in this week. They got to go out to Baltimore. They got to go out to Green Bay. So, uh, for whatever reason, it's not clicking. I think a part of it is, you know, when the season ended last year, Dean Pease, who Steeler fans obviously are very familiar with from his days in Baltimore, he was their defensive coordinator. He decided to retire, and Mike Brable made the decision, we're not going to bring in a D.C., and it's basically him and the outside linebackers coach, Shane Bowen, sharing duties, and, you know, my flags kind of went up when that was announced, that that was the plan, and I don't know if that's working right now. We'll see how the season progresses, but, yeah, lack of pass rush and and not being able to get off the field on third down um hasn't caught up to the Titans yet, but I got a feeling if this continues, it will.
0: John, that playoff run last year was so memorable, but uh, so uh, different in that Ryan Tannehill completes eight passes against New England. He completes seven passes against Baltimore. How does he go from that guy? to the guy who went eight for eight on that game-tying drive in the last minute 45 against Houston. And, oh, by the way, Derrick Henry wasn't even on the field. This I mean, Henry's still getting his yards, but they're also throwing the ball all over the yard all of a sudden.
2: Well, I think it's a combination of Tannehill being comfortable in Arthur Smith's passing offense, uh, him having a number of different targets to throw to. You know, in all five games this year, Mikey, uh, there's been a different leading receiver, whether it's A.J. Brown, whether it's John U. Smith, whether it's Corey Davis, who was their leading receiver in the opener. Uh, heck, you know, Anthony Ferkser, who was like the second string tight end, he had eight catches for a buck 13 against Houston. And he's a guy that, you know, he's not exactly the second coming of John Mackey or Kellen Winslow. You know, uh, Tannehill's <laughs> or ability the f- Right. Thank you. Thank you for the Giants reference. I need it. Um, You know, Tannehill's ability to be able to spread the ball around and find different receivers and the confidence that he's playing in right now. He's spinning the ball beautifully. He really hasn't thrown that one pass all year where you say, what the heck was he seeing on that? You know, it wasn't exactly like Baker Mayfield, you know, giving up an early Christmas gift to Mika Fitzpatrick last week. We haven't seen those type of passes. And Tannehill's capable. You know, you got to remember when he took over as a starter last year in week seven, the Titans were two and four. Marcus Mariota was a starter. Titans were only averaging about 16 points a game. That average shot up to 30 points a game once Tannehill took over. I think in those two playoff games, Henry was was running so well, and the offensive line was controlling the line of scrimmage so well. So basically, they were like, "Hey, let's stick with with uh, what's working." But the Titans have grown to have a lot of confidence in Ryan Tannehill, especially in these late game situations. That you know he can he can find the open receiver, he can uh, work the offense, he can work through his progressions he's playing with so much confidence right now. And listen, people, I I understand people have a lot of different, differing opinions, right. About Ryan Tannehill, you know, is he a top five quarterback? I don't know if I would say that, but I could tell you this right now, he's playing like a top five quarterback.
3: Yeah. A lot of good stuff there. And I agree with all of it. And um, I think it's impressive how he's spreading the ball around, but you mentioned AJ Brown. I, I, if you, if I got to pick one receiver in this league, To have on my team going forward, I'd have a hard time not taking A.J. Brown. I mean, he looks like Terrell Owens to me. I mean, I'm not sure that the Steeler fans realize what they're tangling with with this guy.
2: Well, first of all, let's hope he's on the field. He didn't practice today. Uh, He practiced yesterday, did not practice today. But you're right. A.J. Brown is that total combination of, you know, great hands, great route running, and a great ability after the catch. You know, he becomes a running back after he catches the football. Does he have blazing four-two-five speed? No, but he's got good uh, foot speed. I've never seen him get caught from behind, and you know he's a guy that like that will attack the football in the air. He'll take on tacklers. He's not a guy that's going to catch the ball and then look for a place to hide. He's very aggressive with how he runs after the catch, how he attacks the football while it's in the air. And this is a guy that you know they got in the second round last year, and not a lot of people knew about him even here uh, you know, in, in, in the smack smack dab in the middle of sec country, but yeah, he had a brilliant rookie season last year. And if he can stay healthy, he's going to be a big part of this offense going forward. He's clearly their number one target, but you know, his biggest problem right now is staying healthy. And, you know, he missed a couple of games with a, with a bruised knee, came back last week, caught a couple of touchdown passes, caught the, uh, a touchdown pass when he returned uh, against the bills uh, a week ago on Tuesday But uh, that's the biggest thing. That's the only thing holding him back right now is health. This guy can be as good as he wants to be if he can stay healthy. And you're right. He's one of the top wide receivers in the NFL. Not a lot of people know about him. But if he keeps going on the path he is, they will very soon.
0: Yeah, I'm with both of you guys. I mean, they list him at six foot, 226 pounds. He looks way bigger to me, and he plays way bigger to me. And I think he's just getting started just just scratching the surface. But one guy who is as good as he can be is Derrick Henry. And, uh, JB, you get to see this guy more regularly than I do. But uh, I watched the Houston game, and I thought I saw at least three defensive backs bailing. You know, making the old business decision <laughs> at various points in that second half. And I asked Cam Hayward of the Steelers about that. And he said, oh, my God, I saw the same thing. I, I couldn't believe it. Does this happen all the time with this guy? I know it's a cliche that, you know, big bruising backs make guys not want to tackle them. But I, I thought in the NFL that was more cliche than than an actual thing. But uh, it, it, apparently it's happening with Derrick Henry.
2: Well, Mikey, I got to be honest with you. It reminds me of you know my days in Pittsburgh covering the Steelers when Bettis was there in the fourth quarter. When you get that big back going into the second level into the secondary in the fourth quarter of a game, and these little defensive backs are tired. The last thing they want to do is get a shoulder into that guy. And you see a lot of uh, you know a, a lot of uh, players try to take Derrick Henry up high. You saw what he did to Josh Norman with that vicious stiff arm. And yeah, he's he's a guy that will make you make a. Uh, a business decision but not only is he big not only is he powerful the breakaway speed guys that 94 yard touchdown run there were guys that looked like they had angles on him and he just with every step he got further and further away you know uh, i grew up in the 80s you know i didn't get to see jim brown run and i was too young to really know what oj simpson was doing of course i'm talking about pre-double murder uh <laughs> allegedly oj simpson but you know my guys growing up were Guys like Herschel Walker and Bo Jackson, 230-pound-plus guys with breakaway world-class speed. And Derrick Henry's in that class. So he's the total package. And the one thing he's really been working on is his pass catching out of the backfield as well. He's worked extremely hard on that. So he's a combination of freakish skills. The guy's an alien. The guy works his butt off. And he's one of the most finely conditioned athletes in the NFL, I mean, he broke that 94-yard touchdown run. He didn't even look like he was breathing heavy. And that's because of the work he puts in in the offseason. But, yeah, you see that guy coming at you at 6'3", 250, 47 pounds lifted in the fourth quarter. When you're a little tired and you're a little sore, you, you think twice about sticking a shoulder in front of that guy.
3: The conditioning issue is a great one you brought up. I mean, it's amazing, to your point, point. and in the fourth quarter, he's fresher than ever. December, he's better than ever. I mean, as things go on, he gets better. Really good point. The uh, the offensive line. I just wanted to get your take on real quick. I mean, I think they're constructed more for Henry than Tannehill. I mean, they're big, bruising, come off the ball and mash you type linemen. We know they're starting right tackle from last year is with the Browns. They lost LaJuan this this past you know week and he's out for the year. And then their first round pick Wilson hasn't been able to see the field. Where where do you think this line's at right now?
2: Well, listen, they're going to miss Taylor Lewan. There's no question about it. Isaiah Wilson's dealt with a combination of COVID-19 and just really not having his on-field technique NFL ready yet, uh, based on what I've heard. So we're going to get Ty Sambrello, uh as a starter at left tackle this week, not to be confused with the great Michael Cimbello, who uh, recorded that song "Maniac" after off the Flashdance uh, soundtrack back in '84, Mikey, you remember that? I'm um, Matt. I'm sure you do too. <laughs> uh, so, but you, right when you look at the offensive line, yeah, they're they're a run first offensive line. Where the Titans are most effective are establishing the run and then using play action with Ryan Tannehill. Um, so it really makes you, as a defensive coordinator, decide: Do we want to walk our safeties up to stop the run? Or do we want to stay back to defend the pass? And so, yeah, they they love to come off the ball. They love the block. But here's the problem: when you're missing a guy like uh, Taylor Lewan, especially this week, I don't have to tell you guys the Steelers' defense—it's it's like eleven terminators out there. You know, they can't be bargained with, they can't be reasoned with, and they will not stop until you are dead. <laughs> from a from a football standpoint, they're mean and they're nasty. And you need a guy like Taylor Lewan who's just as mean just as nasty who doesn't mind getting in a 60 minute fist fight so they're going to lose that edge not only the skills of a three-time pro bowl left tackle and you know at one point the highest paid left tackle in the NFL but they're going to lose some of the intangibles he brings to the table Ty Brail look good football player he's drawing an NFL paycheck obviously he can play but he's not Taylor Lewan and that could be a problem this week
0: Yeah it's a it's a it's a good analysis uh, regarding the Steelers JB but they're down one terminator Devin Bush also out mm. for the year, and the guy that's replacing him, at least initially, uh, Robert Spillane, who Mike Vrabel knows well, guy who broke in uh, to the NFL in 2018, attending uh, the Nashville rookie tryout mini camp and getting an invite to training camp and actually playing his first two games down there that season. Uh, knowing the Titans as you do, are they the type of team that will attack a guy such as Robert Spillane? Or are they just going to run their stuff? And not really care who's trying to stop it,
2: yeah, it's basically we're this is what we run, try to stop it, you know, they don't really focus too much on individual players, who's in, who's out, you know they assume, especially with a team like the Steelers, they assume who's ever in there uh is a capable player and a quality player and a player you can't take for granted. And, you know, Mike Vrabel had a lot of high praise for Robert Spillane. I remember when he was here and he was that classic overachiever guy. And, uh, you know, when you play for a guy like Mike Vrabel or in this case, a guy like Mike Tomlin, you expect a guy like Robert Spillane to come out and, and, and ball out. And I think he will. Um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's really where this, you know, where the, as Tomlin likes to say, the rubber's going to meet the road. Really, it is, you know, the Steelers defensive line versus the Titans offensive line. I think whoever wins that battle. Uh, is going to win this football game. But I'm happy for Robert Spillane. Liked him when he was here. Real likable guy. Um, You know, didn't get to talk to him that much. I do remember a preseason game where the Titans played up in Pittsburgh just a couple of years ago. I think he got an interception late in that game. So uh, Picked off Landry Jones. There you go. There you go. So, yeah. Um, So, everybody down here is certainly happy for Robert getting a great opportunity. But, you know, much like Ty Sambreo, you know, uh, replacing Taylor Lewan, he's not Taylor Lewan, and Robert Spillane is not Devin Bush, obviously.
0: John, last thing JB, I great stuff go, go and uh, great catching up with you. Uh, I know you got places to be and uh, people to see. Uh, I'm disappointed I'm not going to be one on Saturday night. Uh, but much like the Terminator, I will be back, and uh, we will be at Tootsie's <laughs> again someday, my friend. Thank you for your time and your insights.
2: I'm counting the hours, guys. You guys have a great time. Thank you for having me on, and enjoy the game on Sunday, all right?
0: That was John Burton from News Channel 5 in Nashville. John also does some radio down there, and he's a fitness guru and pretty much a man for all seasons, a Renaissance man, I think. Matt, uh, I don't know if you got to meet John uh, during your career at any point, but uh, he is a fun guy to be around. He does everything 1,000 miles an hour, and I really appreciated catching up with him there.
3: Yeah, Tootsies would be fun with him, I have a feeling, too.
0: It's uh, it's not bad. Uh, that's going to do it for our opening drive. We got it down the field in a hurry, but uh, a lot more to come tonight, uh, so keep it right here. Uh, Matt and I are going to be here until 8 o'clock, breaking down Steelers-Titans uh, right here on Steelers Preview. Come comes to you every Thursday on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR.
3: Back to the Steelers Preview Show on DVE.
0: Welcome back to Steelers Preview. Mike Pursuit along with Matt Williamson until 8 o'clock tonight. Matt, we didn't even get a chance to say hello. We had to get John in and out because he's a busy guy. But uh, were you able to keep up? You didn't need to tap your helmet and come out of the game there and get a blow? <laughs> able to complete the uh, two-minute drill there to start?
3: Yeah, right off the bat. Come out swinging, like you said. And that might be a, what kind of game we have, too. It could be a high-paced, you know, two undefeated teams. I'm, I'm pretty psyched up for this one.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be worth uh, the wait, I think, although I would have preferred that it went off as scheduled a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you did hear, uh, if you just, uh, if you, excuse me, were with us for our first guest, John Burton of News Channel 5 in Nashville, you heard him mention A.J. Brown added to the Titans' practice report today, did not participate knee. He was not on the list yesterday. Matt, does this sound as if it's one of those, ah, something's a little off, take a day off? Uh, I usually don't worry as much when, there's a did not participate. I would think if he started but didn't finish, it would be worse.
3: Right. I, I, that's my uh, initial hunch. I mean, it's always hard to comment on injuries, but he's so valuable to them. I mentioned how much I, you know, uh, love his game and what he can be. And, you know, John mentioned, I mean, injuries have plagued him a little bit in his short career. Uh, I, I, my hunch is let's just, we'll, we'll, AJ will be fine. Let's just keep him off the field to, ensure his health for the big game.
0: Jadavion Clowney, uh full participant. He was dealing with a little bit of a knee. Uh, the tackle Isaiah Wilson, we talked about him a little bit with John Burton did not practice again. Illness. That's been a disaster. Yeah. Uh, what a mess. They've got nothing out of their 29th overall pick. And the team kind of set up, as you pointed out, they let Conklin go via free agency. They needed that guy to step in and, uh, Has not been there for them. Tight end John Smith, ankle. He was a full participant up from limited. Steelers have some good news and some bad news, as is usually the case at this time of the year. Wide receiver Deontay Johnson, a full participant for the second consecutive day. Guard David DeCastro abdomen uh, upgraded from limited to full participant. Mike Tomlin had been optimistic about both of those guys at the start of the year. But Matt, Mike Hilton, uh, shoulder, did not practice for the second Consecutive day looks like they got to figure something out at Nickelback, as well as Devin Bush's inside linebacker spot.
3: Right, right, and Hilton's had a really good year. We, there's been a lot of talk, obviously, about the Bush situation. Um, Hilton, they don't play a ton of three wide receiver sets, so this might not be the worst case, you know, time for him to miss. And I like Sutton quite a bit, to be honest with you. But some interesting notes. I mean, all the numbers on Tannehill are tremendous. But they haven't done as well collectively. And I don't blame him as much versus blitz as they have versus standard pass rush. And I think a lot of it stems from recognition issues with their their pass protection. And two new tackles has a lot to do with that. And where I'm going with this is Hilton's just such a, he puts offensive tackles in such a bind with his blitz coming from that short slot area. I wonder if they'll take that out of the equation with Sutton or will they ask Sutton to give it a shot?
0: Yeah, I I don't think uh, it's it's a valid point about the blitz aspect of their sub package. I don't know that you replace that necessarily, mm-hmm. but I don't think the coverage is going to be a huge deal. No. We saw a little bit of Justin Lane in the Cleveland game last week and uh, Steven Nelson moving inside in dime. We saw uh, Sutton moving around. I think they have the bodies in the secondary to cover adequately. I don't know if they replace Hilton's blitzing, but if he's got a bad shoulder, I don't know that I want him sticking it into an oncoming Derrick Henry either. (laughs) Uh, They're going to need Mike Hilton down the road. I'd like to see him not be a part of the road after being run over because he was in the wrong road at the wrong time.
3: Real quick question for you. You mentioned Justin Lane. Do you think his stock is rising a little bit, like they're excited to get him on the field?
0: I do. Uh, Mike Tomlin talked about him kind of unprovoked in one of those uh, off-season Zoom sessions. As a guy who played really well on special teams last year, and as people have probably heard, when Tomlin was referencing Robert Spillane, uh, Spillane was playing on all four of the major special teams. And usually, if you're a defensive player and you can do that, they think that translates. The Steelers do to you being able to play defense. And you know, Justin Lane's a third round pick. He had a really good college career, even though he didn't play cornerback exclusively all that long. He's got the he's got the physical skill set. I do think they uh, want to see what he can do,
3: Matt. I also think Highsmith's on that path.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. How how about this rookie class? Let's go Pretty there. Good. Yeah. Uh, w- between Highsmith, Dotson, and Claypool. I thought Claypool would be a contributor. Uh, I remember one of those shows that we were doing with Dale Lawley uh, at some point. Uh, I can't remember what it was, but we were talking about expectations and predictions that I think I remember saying I thought he would score about eight touchdowns this year, but I thought the I thought the vast majority of them would be lobs into the end zone. He'd be more of a specialist guy. That's like the one thing over. we haven't
3: seen from him. Yeah, it's a, he's <laughs> taken over, wide
0: receiver. Right. And Dotson has been money when they've needed him, and Highsmith has been exactly what they wanted on teams, and as a relief guy for T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree and – Uh, Boy, that rookie class, very timely contributions and uh, significant ones, I would say.
3: Yeah, without question. I mean, especially considering you don't have a first-round pick. I mean, it's first time in, like, my lifetime, basically, they haven't had a first-round pick. And Claypool's playing, like, one of the best rookies in the league. Highsmith, as we mentioned, is is on that Steeler path where he just keeps showing up on teams now and looks like he can be an impact player on defense maybe next year. And Dotson, to me, has been... Maybe this it, it, as much of a pleasant surprise as Claypool. I mean, I know he's a guard; he doesn't stand out like a 235 and thirty five pound wide receiver scoring touchdowns. But that's the beauty of him; he doesn't stand out. Yeah, and
0: I thought maybe guard would be harder to play as a rookie. I mean, wide well, receiver—you basically, you know, they run the route and catch the ball. Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot more happening, I think, in the interior of that line a lot quicker. And, uh, you know, a lot more adjustments have to be made. You have to be alert to changes and checks and, you know, protections changing, things of that nature. He's been very solid. Yes. Uh, And it turns out they needed him because uh, the insurance policy, Steve Wisniewski, didn't last very long in that Giants game. David decastro has been in and out of the lineup. Uh, Pouncey's a little hobbled now, but that offensive line keeps rolling along. Um, You mentioned that you think this game might be relatively fast-paced. I don't know if teams are going to put the pedal down speed or tempo-wise, but I think some points are going to be scored. What say you?
3: Yeah, I do too. And I think that's really a Titans thing. I mean, I think they're really well coached. I was actually about to ask John if their offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, is on a head coach career path, and it sure seems like he is. He's done wonderful things with Tannehill, with the whole system, And that's not to sell Tannehill short. I mean, John even mentions he a top five quarterback. I mean, to say those things about where Ryan Tannehill was one year ago is remarkable, and he deserves that. They have a great back. They have a lot of weapons. They score points. And their defense, again, has guys, but it doesn't play as well collectively. They have some corners you can pick on. Um, I'm not sure. I don't have a firm grasp of their defense because I like it better on paper than when I watch it. So I, Titan games are going to be pretty high scoring, I think, going forward.
0: In theory, they should have a pretty good four-man rush when they go sub on third down between Clowney, Jeffrey Simmons, who was uh, number one pick a couple years ago, Harold Landry, a guy I like as a, as a linebacker, defensive line, yeah. hybrid kind of guy, and Beasley, has a little bit of a track record in the league. Clowney and Beasley were relatively late additions. Are we at the point where we can expect them to maybe click into another gear here momentarily? Or are we far enough in where kind of what you see is what you're going to get? Because they, I don't want to say they're great just question. guys, but they haven't been impactful.
3: It's a great question because I think both of those players, and I would have said this a year ago I said this quite a while ago, are Better name value than what they actually bring on game day. You know, everyone knows who they are. Clowney was a first pick overall. Beasley was a first round pick. One year he had a big sack year, but that was kind of fluky for him. He's a finesse, run around the edge guy. He doesn't have a variety of moves or a lot of power, where Clowney's the better player of the two. And you mentioned their four-man pass rush. He can he can bump inside, and that's where he has a lot of value. And he's got a lot of shock in his hands. But he's not a real natural pass rusher either. And if one of them's going to step up, though, I think it's Clowney. I mean, he was the real late addition.
0: We've got uh, a lot more to get to, so uh, keep it here till eight o'clock tonight as we continue getting you ready for the Steelers. And the Tennessee Titans. Uh, we're going to break a little early here because uh, our next guest, Merrill Hodge, tends to run long. That's <laughs> the uh, that's the slow down, grind it out, uh, eat the clock portion of the broadcast. But the Matt, you're going to be very interested. You're going to be very interested to hear what Merrill uh, has to say about Robert Spillane, the guy who's going to be tasked with filling in for Devin Bush uh, beginning with uh, Sunday's game in Nashville with uh, Matt Williamson. I'm Mike Persuda. You're listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR.
3: Back to the Steelers Preview Show on DVE.
0: Welcome back. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you tonight on DVE and SNR until 8 o'clock. Previewing the Steelers and the Tennessee Titans Sunday in Nashville. Matt, one thing I wanted to mention In the last segment but did not was that Steelers defensive coordinator Keith Butler did a Zoom with the media today and said they are not planning on moving Terrell Edmonds from safety to an inside linebacker-type position. Uh, At least that's not uh, their initial approach. They want to see how it works with Robert Spillane and and however else they supplement uh, that Devin Bush position. But uh, if I don't uh, miss my guess, our next guest – Merrill Hodge would tell Keith Butler, hey, don't even worry about it. 41 has got this covered. Merrill, uh, welcome back to the show. And I-, I wanted to pick up where you left off with the DVE Morning Show this week. You were banging that Robert Spillane drum pretty hard, brother.
1: Well, I- I'm going to be honest with you. The only way you can do that is if he proves it on tape. And I'm just going to tell you this. when I'm, The first thing you look for, a guy who's coming off. Let's, let's put a perspective here so that your listeners understand and, and – because the Steel fans are smart, they understand that this. this kid's probably got what, one or two reps every week in the structure of the defense that he had to go play in. Okay, so first understand that. That that's what he's entering into. Now before I even get to that, you want to see how he plays. Like how does he how does he take on the run? You know, how does he separate or take on blockers, get rid of blockers? How does he tackle? How does he play his position? Okay, that that was the first thing that struck me. His feet, hips and hand, how he'd strike people, separate his range Um, his instincts, his flow, his feel for it, I was like, this guy doesn't look like he – he looks like he's been playing five, six, seven years, You know, not five or six snaps. Then if you looked at the structure of the defense, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I mean, now listen, I understand it's a half of a game. I I completely get that. But you just don't see – I've been doing this for almost 40 years, from playing and watching. You just don't see a guy come out and do stuff like that unless he is – Unless he's meant to play, I mean, he just—he he belongs. You could tell it how he played, um, how he tackled, how he played in the structure of coverages, run fits, just the whole ball act. Now, I don't know if he made the calls because Bush was doing that, so I'm—I'm I'm assuming he did. I don't.
0: I he said hear. he did.
1: He said he okay, did. Okay, so now that that can be, I can be overwhelming to be thrown and cast into that. I, I'm just telling you. That I mean, and I, I don't know who would suggest um, Terrell Edmonds go play there. there. Ain't no way. People blow, him, tear him apart down in the box, down there. Um, I, I can't even imagine you would do, especially against this team. That is not what, who you want down there. But listen, I, I, I was like, holy cow, they, 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 they're in good hands. Okay, it's not with all state. It's with, it's with. <laughs> it's with this is not number 41, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you this. They are in good hands, capable hands, um, because the way he played the position, the way he handles all of the things that you got to do fundamentally wise, um, he was just as impressive as I've seen. I mean, Spillane does not look like a guy who hasn't played quite a bit. So, um, Steve, a fan should be excited. That I, I don't see a letdown happening either, well, by the way. I, I really don't. I do not see that at all.
3: It's obviously very encouraging, and I'm really impressed. I was just talking up Arthur Smith on the last segment, Merrill, that he might be a future head coach, and he's done great things with this offense. I was curious what you think of you know, the Titans schematically on that side of the ball.
1: Well, here's something that they do. Listen, I think everybody knows Derrick Henry is a beast, um, how you have to stop him as a runner. Listen, he has kryptonite. The kryptonite that he has – He's an upright runner. He doesn't have dynamic feet, and he doesn't move laterally all that well. So you ultimately have to make him play like that. That means the point of the attack, you got to win um, about 99% of the time. <laughs> Can't let him get ahead of steam going. Now, I think people understand that. You know, you go the Texans. um Just a sidebar here before I get to what I want to tell you. Before the Texans played the Steelers, I was watching their defensive tape, and I was like, man, who is 41? Like, who? What? what, I mean, because 41, I was like, is he a safety? But I'm obviously a a look. He's obviously a linebacker, but he doesn't play like a linebacker. I mean, he was never where he was supposed to be. Go back to that Texans game, the Titan game. The 96-yard run, whose gap did he hit? 41s. Where was 41? He was stacked over the inside linebacker. Why was he over there? That's only, only he can answer that. It's not where you're supposed to be. <laughs> um, just let me tell you this. I don't know who he walks into the meeting room with his def- with his teammates. I don't know how he walks in there um, and sits down with them because he's where he's supposed to be. He first of all, if he gets run over, he gets run over, but then they got people to make the tackle. but at least he derails him for a little bit so he doesn't just uh, run through the gap untouched. That's where he was supposed to be, the 56-yard pass play. Who was supposed to cover him? He has the flare responsibility. Both of those huge plays. So when I'm going, getting to what they do well, which is kind of overlooked, in fact, the Minnesota game, they actually got back in the game because they do as good of selling run, hard run action where it looks like a run and they throw off it as good as the 49ers and the Ravens do. They're, they're really good at that. That got them back, at, back in the game. Uh, Against Minnesota, it's a part of their passing game that's truly effective, and people will go. You got to run the ball. The more you run the ball, the more effective you are. And that is hogwash. That is 100% crap. No, you don't. If you sell run as a defender, I have to respect what I see initially, and that's ultimately why run action is so effective. Because I just want to, I want to, I want to pull the linebackers in and freeze them for just a second, and create that void in the deep, uh, in between the secondary, the safeties. And the linebackers, and I had those big voids and those big gaps. That's ultimately what run action is. I get somebody out of position just for a half a second. And they've done a great job of that. So you have to really play with great eye discipline. Um, Your keys have to be spot on. And listen, the more you put them in long yardage situations, the less effective that can be. You know, where they sting you is when it's second, short, third, and short, um, second and reasonable, third and reasonable. That's when you get in trouble. That's when, as a defense, you know, you know, you, you're in trouble if they if they get in that situation because those run phases, that run action that they do and the way they throw the football off it and the way Tannehill has been as a decision maker has been just spot on to what they need to complement that great running game they have.
0: Merrill, getting back to uh, Spillane for a moment, and just before we go there. The Terrell Edmonds talk has been more of a uh, dime linebacker type of deal, not line up there on first and second down. But they've been kind of they've been kicking that around uh, ever since Mark Barron left, and they realized yeah. they might be a little thin depth wise at the position. Yeah, but you. Spillane, I I don't dispute your analysis for a second of how he played against Cleveland. My question is, how does a guy go to Western Michigan, which is not the end of the earth? I mean, it's in the MAC. His pro day included Chuck Wuma, for. The entire NFL was there to watch it. He didn't get drafted, didn't get signed as a undrafted free agent, and had to go to Tennessee's rookie tryout camp just to get in the league. And now, two years later, he's going to start a game. How does this occur?
1: Well, I wish I could answer that. You know, uh, I didn't watch him in college, so I, I really can't. I can't answer that. But it happens all the time. How's Tom Brady going to sixth round? I mean, you know, um, you know, sometimes evaluators, you know, there's there's measurable evaluators and then there's football evaluators. Um, you know, clearly all of them missed this. You know, if, you know if they really studied him. I and sometimes where you where you played, you know, and there's so many players available, you know, you gets overlooked. You know, somebody didn't evaluate him. And sometimes a measurable evaluator, um, the way I've I've really learned how. A lot of ways people study, there's measurable evaluators. They're looking at size, weight, height, you know, where he played, you know, not how he played, but where he played, which is absolutely garbage. But um, those guys, to me, can miss a guy versus a football evaluator. Um, But I I can't answer that. I I mean, but I'm just going to tell you this. The way he played the position, I'm going back to how he took on blocks, separated, I mean, got the ball carriers, how he tackled too, by the way. I, mean, that was, I was like, oh, my gosh, I got to guy out there that's tackling now. That's 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 a novel idea. You know, he brought his arms, he wrapped up. <laughs> uh, I, I was just like, I was like, holy cow. That's not what I was expecting. I mean, because I told you of, of everything that usually when you see a guy come in, um, to replace a guy, there is a certain drop-off. There was not. I'm telling you, and I was surprised. He has great range. He moves well. He's got great speed. Um, he tracks things. Well, he's, he had a good instincts, He fought, he, he fought in the box. Well, and he got the things. And I was like, geez, I was like, okay, this might be, this might be this, might be a diamond in the rough here. Uh, I'm just telling you, I, I, uh, they're in good hands. I'm just telling you, they, uh, the guy, and in the passing game, I thought he was outstanding in his coverage responsibilities, zone and man. That was impressive. So, um, I, I can only tell you what really Kate tells you, and like forty years of experience, uh, I've seen it. Where it just it's glaringly obvious if they're in trouble, and then it's glaringly obvious if they're not, and they
3: are not in trouble. We were talking a little bit about Jadavion Clowney in the last segment. and Oh. What oh. are your thoughts? I mean, I kind of think it's one heart. of Merrill's favorites,
0: Matt. Did oh, you? really? I didn't know. Well, I'd like to hear this. that. Let, let,
3: let's, okay, let, let's, let's do this.
1: We came out of college. I had never seen anybody who quit on plays more yeah. <laughs> and made more me- more mental errors than Jadavion Clowney. He had one good play, and I'm going to tell you it was an accident, and it was the bowl game when he hit Michigan. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem. ESPN played it a thousand times, so people think that's how he played. No, it isn't. In fact, they had a slant on the guard doesn't block him. Now, keep in mind, he's a phenomenal athlete. Of course, right. mean, he's gifted. You know, he's gifted in so many ways. But he slants, hits the back, he fumbles. Okay, because a huge, obviously, you know, his highlight reel is that. That's not how he plays. If it was how he's played, Houston doesn't let him go. They do not let him go. And if you're like, well. You know, they're making mistakes. Seattle had the same chance. They didn't keep him. Why? When you watch him, I can't tell you how many times I watch him play. And right after play, he's hitting himself in the head. Why is he hitting himself in the head? Because he didn't do what he was supposed to do. He comes running inside. Why do teams – you watch this game. uh, I would assume the Steelers will do Yeah, They'll do it because it's part of their, their offensive makeup. Every team will run some type of a reverse concept screen to his side maybe a half a dozen times why he can't even filter through that stuff. I just watched him play last week and he's chasing the quarterback and the quarterback had already handed the ball off to him. Now he's got contained responsibility and quarterback, but he didn't even know the ball was handed off. He's back running, chasing the quarterback. I'm like, so here's what you have a third of the time. He's making mental errors that are just kill your football team. The next 30 quits. Yes. Is he going to make some splash plays? Can he disrupt some things? Yes. But when you look at it as a whole, you can't invest millions and millions of dollars in a guy that plays like that. And that's how he was in college, and he hasn't changed that in the NFL. Now, v- Vrabel got him, you know, because he was his, his coach in, in, uh, in Texas, I mean, with the tie, um, in Houston. Houston yeah. So I'm sure that he felt like I could get the most out of him. But, you know, watching everybody was saying he's going he's gonna to wreck the Texans. He was a non-factor. In fact, the Texans ran more kind of reverse actions and um, traffic at him. You run traffic at him, he, he gets lost um, half the time. When he's responsible for specially contained, he messes it up. Um, if you get your hands on him and stop him and neutralize him, he quits. I mean, that's that's not a dominant player. Now, keep in mind, you, you know, now Khalil Mack, who came out that exact same year, no, it wow. wasn't even close. But what did? Why was? There, what was everybody go? What did everybody hammer Khalil Mack on? It's, this is the dumbest thing ever. However, he's in, he plays in Buffalo. I don't care where he plays. It's how he plays. I've never seen a better defensive player in 25 years of studying tape, getting ready for college, than that guy. Ever. And that Houston Texans had a chance to take him. If they'd have had him and J.J. Watt together, holy cow. What, they'd have wrecked the league for two or three years when, in J.J.'s prime. Wrecked it with those two guys. <laughs>
0: Merrill, great stuff. As always, got about a minute and a half left. You hunting anything this weekend or uh, taking just, the weekend off? All
1: right. well, no, I never take the weekend off. I'm, I just got out of the woods just to get on this air, bro. I almost had, I almost had to kill I almost killed the buck. i was like, God, if I do that, then I'm going to be down here gutting it and doing the show, and I'm like, I don't want to do that.
0: <laughs> we'll try to work that it. out. We'll get a little... Get a little play-by-play. Play. You've gotten a deer or a buck, uh, whatever you call it. But, hey, Merrill, uh, great stuff. Really appreciate it. We'll look forward to talking to you next week.
1: Absolutely. Go Steelers, man.
3: Thanks, Merrill.
0: So, just to kind of summarize there, Matt, I think if there was a the pickup buck game. The out
3: is to summarize.
0: Yeah. We but the If there was a pickup game, Matt would pick Robert Spillane over Jadavion Clowney. Merrill would. Did you get that impression? Merrill yes. would, yes.
3: A little more his style of guy.
0: That's, uh, that's interesting. I can't wait to find out how this plays out. I, I get that scouts miss sometimes, but boy, I don't. they rarely miss that badly in uh, sure. everybody in the league. But uh, we shall see. That's going to do it for tonight. Uh, I want to thank our uh, guest from Nashville, John Burton of News Channel 5 down in Nashville for spending a few minutes with us. Thanks to Merrill, uh, who is uh, our weekly expert guest. Thanks to Tom Behind the Glass. Uh, down on Fleet Street for keeping us on the air. Matt, uh, enjoyed it. Let's do it again next week. Sounds good. Good stuff. Steelers-Titans coming up on Sunday. We'll have the coverage for you beginning at 9 a.m. Sunday morning here on DVE. Matt and I will be here again next Thursday, as we are every Thursday in season from 7 to 8 o'clock. You have been listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Good night, everybody.